Well, hello there, everyone. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom podcast. My name is Casey Kingry, and I'm so, so glad to be with you here today. Um, in this podcast, we discuss the challenges that inevitably exist all around us, and we explore different ways to interface with those challenges so that we can use the obstacles and the resistance that we meet in life to actually help us to grow and bloom and thrive. My life, my business, my whole world is sort of based off of Thich Nhat Hanh's famous phrase, no mud, no lotus. I am of the firm belief that everyone in life will get dirty, but not everyone will choose to allow the dirt to be the fertilizer that grows them. I know in my life, I've struggled with a lot of different things. Um... And I can confidently say that I'm a person that that is able to do my work. And there's a lot of privilege around that, but it's also part of who I am. And um, that that by examining myself and by working through things and by not just taking the way things are for me as truth or as automatic or as unchangeable, um, I have been able to use the, the challenges in my life to really help myself to grow and thrive and become the woman that I know that I was destined and born and, born and put on this world to become. So um, that's why we're here. That's why I'm doing this is because you know I've been able to experience great transformation in my life and I believe that everyone, um, Everyone needs the opportunity to taste this and to get out of their own way and to understand themselves more so that they can work for their own good instead of, you know, being unaware of these unconscious ways that we show up, that erode away at, the, at, at, at what we're trying to do and who we're trying to be without us even knowing it. So that was sort of unscripted. That's who I am and what I'm about. And so thank you for joining me on this podcast um, so that we can learn how to do this together. And so today's episode is devoted to the wisdom of the body and letting the body lead and valuing all the information that, that, that we receive from below the neck. Um, so this is sort of uh, an exploration of information that comes from our heads, information that comes from our hearts, information that comes from our bodies. How do we discern it? How do we understand it? Why is it important? What does it mean to us? And why is it so difficult for us to access? Um, so, you know, everyone, well, in my circles anyway, in the yoga circles, in the somatic coaching circles, it's like, well, you know, what does that feel like in your body? What does your body have to say about this? And a lot of times it's hard to discern. And so I'm going to shed a light on that today. And hopefully in doing so, you will walk away with a better understanding of, of what your mind is responsible for, how your mind interfaces with the body and vice versa, and how you might sort of let your brain, your mind off the hook for certain things and, and rely on wisdom from other places inside of you. Um, so we're going to kind of open up that whole world that there is value that exists beyond the, the, the logical mind. Um, what does it mean to decipher your own body's wisdom? And how can you interpret your emotions and sensations as data and information for you? Um, if you're a member of my Patreon community, you know that all month this month, we're talking about emotions and interfacing with emotions and what that looks like and what it means and why it's super important. And I tend to believe that the nervous system, which includes our emotional response, is, is the container for everything that we want to do, be, and create in the world.
And so, you know, if you're looking around you at your outer life or your world or your relationships or your money or your habits or your body or whatever, and you're not exactly where you want to be, then I might encourage you to take a look under the hood of your own car, of your own thoughts, of your own feelings, of the inner workings of your own ecological system on the inside to see where your opportunities might lie. I'm always a big proponent that if life is not the way you want it to be on the outside, then how can you start on the inside and examine who you're being um, to show you the portholes or the opportunities that you have to close that gap between where you are and where you want to go. So today we're going to talk about the wisdom of the body. Um, And, you know, this is a really, uh, topic that is really near and dear to me as a yoga practitioner and a yoga teacher. Um, And in coaching, you know, so many, so many coaches are mindset coaches, and I'm a mindset coach. And I also believe that mindset doesn't happen in a vacuum. And so yes, that 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 age old adism that we have in coaching that your thoughts create your results is true. And while I believe that it's true, I don't believe that it's that simple, that yes, your thoughts create your results. But really, I believe that it's the loop and the the cycle that your thoughts and your emotions create together that then creates your results. And so we're going to we're going to kind of unpack all these things. So I think the main reason that I feel that it's important to have this conversation is because I believe that my work in the world is truly countercultural. Being a coach and a yoga teacher, I find myself sort of sort of teaching lessons and coming up with these sort of like cliches of things that I say all the time. And and what they all boil down to is that we live in a modern Western society that values and prizes logic and reason above everything else. Okay. And that's really what all this comes back to is that we live in a world that tells us mind over matter, head over heart. Well, why don't you prove it to me? There's even this funny sort of meme language, urban language, whatever you might call it, that we say, make it make sense, right? And that, so everything we owe, it always has to make sense. We always have to be reasonable, right? And so that, that tells me that we always come back to the logical mind and that we we believe that the logic that takes place in the brain that lives in between our ears trumps everything else. And because of that, now we live in a society where all of us are largely locked and trapped inside the prison of our minds. All right. We're trapped inside of there with all of our anxiety and our worry and our diagnostics and our problem solving and our solutions. And then you add our devices to that, our phones, our literal computers that are in our purses and back pockets everywhere we go, our actual desktop computers, these information centers where literally every question, any question you could ever ask in the history of the world is basically like the answers are available to you at the push of several buttons. I mean, it's constantly available to us all day, every day, day and night. And so for that reason, we live in our heads all the time. It's hard to turn off. We've got the news cycle. We're constantly thinking about what's in front of us. We're constantly thinking about what's going on in the whole world. And we've been taught and conditioned 
to be logical about it, be reasonable about, about it, which tells me that most of us are trying to problem solve all the time, which means therefore we're living in the energy of our problems all day long inside the confines of our minds. How am I doing so far? Does this resonate with you? Does this sound familiar to you? Um, what is your experience of this? Um, in yoga, we have this part of the class at the very beginning, it's called integration, where we're literally like, giving the body, mind, heart, soul space to leave behind the outer world so that we can be, be, be available for what the yoga has to teach us, for what the inner world wants to offer us. Um, how often do you allow for that to happen? How often do you integrate out of this cerebral, logical, monkey mind operation and, and allow yourself to be in a space that has less thoughts or that gives you a break or a pause or a respite from that? How often do you meditate and intentionally quiet the mind? How often do you intentionally say, I'm going to choose to give myself a break from thinking about X, Y, and Z? I would suspect that not many of us do that. I think that we turn that off consciously by using alcohol or drugs or Netflix or escaping into the codependency of another person, or you fill in the blank for you. So we know how to turn off, but we generally don't do it in the most conscious or um, benevolent types of ways. I know that that's what, why I drink. And, and that's why even today, I don't ever have the, the craving to drink. I've been sober for four and a half years from alcohol at this point. But what I do have a craving for is, is just turning my mind off just making it shut the F up for once, right? And alcohol used to do that for me. It used to create an oblivion where I could just, I could unhinge, I could, I could detach, I could completely shut my brain down. And now as a non-drinker, I don't get to do that anymore. And that's a thing, like it's a thing that I just have to be aware of that, oh, this is like, I really wanna check out now, I'm not able to do so because I don't drink anymore, so how do I manage, how do I turn my mind off and give myself a respite without going into oblivion? So, you know, that that's sort of what I've seen in my life, what I see in the lives of, of, of my partner, of my clients, of people all around me, my yoga students, et cetera, is that it's so hard for us to turn off are stinking thinking, right? And there's cliches from AA, there's cliche, cliches from yoga. In, in yoga, we, it's called chitta in the Sanskrit. It's this chatter in your brain, this incessant um, talking, reasoning, figuring things out, right? It's this, the monkey mind that's hard to turn off. So um, the point about all of this is that while our brains are, of course, very, very important, and they're, they're important not only for our higher level thinking, which we humans are capable of, um, relational thinking that humans are capable of, that, that other species aren't. Um, so so it's not all a bad thing. I mean, our brains are also like responsible for the um, autonomous nervous system functions that are going on behind the scenes at all times. So I'm not here to vilify or demonize the brain or to try to tell us that we don't need the brain because that would be just sort of ridiculous. But what I'm here to say today is that the brain is not the end-all be-all. 
all right the brain was is just one organ inside of these amazingly magical mysterious functioning systems with all sorts of organs and there are actually other centers of wisdom inside of us that that we just might not know that that's also their function so before i move on to that i want to just say that you can't solve a problem with the same type of thinking that created it, right? And that's why I love coaching is because coaching literally injects new ways of thinking, reframes, different positioning, like releasing limiting beliefs, limiting emotions, et cetera. Like coaching is such a beautiful mechanism that allows you to approach your life with a different essence, right? That's why coaching is so powerful is because it changes the game in that way for you. You can't solve a problem with the same type of thinking that created it. So I might even, I, I would like to expand that just a little bit bigger is that, that, that problems created in the mind maybe can't be solved in the mind. Or maybe the problems that we're trying to solve aren't matters of the of the logical logistical mind i feel myself getting emotional as i say this which tells me that i'm really onto something powerful um i follow this this methodology called the gene keys i won't go into it in length because that's a whole podcast episode of its own but what richard rudd says he's the engineer of the gene keys he basically says that like we place all of this value and power on the logical brain, and yet all of the greatest problems in the world have yet to be solved. And he says that that just means like, it, it, that's not where it lives, right? The answers don't necessarily live inside of our logic. But we can't see that because we live in a society that puts logic above everything else. So I'm gonna raise my hand right now and say that we are embodying embodied beings. We're not just logical brains walking around. Otherwise, we'd just be logical brains walking around, but we're much more dynamic and holistic and um, uh, holographic than that, all right? Um, below the neck, below this cerebral logical mind that lives between your ears, there's this whole other world of ample information, but we don't really see it that way. We see a big detachment between mind and body. In some ways, it's mind versus body. I know in the Christian religion that I was raised in, they, they, they believe that that the mind and the body, the, the, the mind and the flesh are at war. Right. And so we've been taught from multiple different places and multiple different veins. Again, your job right now, I'm I'm here just sharing with you everything that I know and think. And your job is to fill in the blank and apply it as it fits in your life. All right. So where have you picked up these messages that that you have to disregard all all of the the longings that live below the neck and default yourself to the logic that comes from your cerebral mind? All right. So, um, you know, the body speaks to us and, and the, you know, oftentimes it speaks to, to us negatively and that's okay because like, that's what yoga is. That's what therapeutic models are. That's what coaching can sometimes be. I'm not here to say that coaching only exists if you have a problem and you want to solve it, but mostly people come to yoga because they're in pain, usually in their bodies, right? And they're coming because they're in pain and they want a way to fix that pain. But little do they know that once you start entering that portal of the body, then you actually see that you're not just suffering in your body, you're suffering in your heart and in your mind and your spirit, and that the yoga can actually minister 
to all of that as well. So, you know, we get we get information from our discomfort, right? Like symptoms of, of aging, of nagging old historic injuries in the body, complaints, um, you know, we we get inconvenienced by our bodies. We're like, oh, just take a pill and move on and get get over it. Um, but we, we, we live in this world where it's very rare that we get to the root of something, you know, that our bodies can speak to us, but we usually just view it as a negative thing, or we view it as something that we just want to get past as fast as possible, or we just want to take a pill or solve it as quickly as possible so we can get back to our lives, which isn't bad or wrong, but really like I, I view like it all as language or data. So the body has a way of speaking to us. It can be through chronic pain or injuries, or it can be through an acute manifestation of a pain or an injury. It can, it can speak to us in moments of excitement or glory or joy, or you might feel like these moments of alignment inside of you and ease. Um, your, your body might speak to you in these whispers of knowingness. Um, it might be nagging that something is wrong. It might be a tingling that something is right. Um, you might have, like I mentioned, seasons of flow or ease where you just know somehow down deep that you're on the right track. So, um, you know, the body can speak to us in many different ways. It doesn't have to just be through injury or pain. Um, but that's often where we start. And, and, and that's not a bad thing. And I often believe that when we know what hurts or when we know what we don't want, that gives us a starting point and a blueprint to actually build our bridge out of the pain or the sensation or whatever we're experiencing towards what we do want. So it's not a bad thing that we often view our body speaking to us negatively, but also, you know, it speaks to us in all sorts of other ways. You know, I just did this lesson inside of my Patreon that the body is actually emotions are messengers. And I shared in that talk that that joy is actually the the emotion that's embodied the least frequently among humans, right? Isn't that just amazing that joy is the hardest emotion for us to access? Um, just a little tidbit for you. So anyway, um, what we tend to do is we tend to use the mind to arm wrestle the rest of us into what our thoughts have determined our experience should be. Okay. So our mind has a vision of what life is supposed to be like, and then we strong arm the rest of us into falling into that. All right. So anything that doesn't fit into that vision usually gets cut off or jumped over or ignored or whatever. And so I'm here today to bring more awareness to that process that we just skip over the things that, that might be uncomfortable or that don't align. So what would happen if we actually developed a viewpoint that could see everything and accept everything simply as data and information that our body, that our systems, the ecosystem that includes our bodies, our minds, our thoughts, our emotions, like all of that, what if our whole ecosystem, that whole experience was simply data that then we could interpret and perceive for ourselves to help us to move on our journey, all right? So here's what I'd like to offer you is that, um, don't actually have only one brain. We actually have three brains inside of our bodies. Okay. So we all know what the first one is. It's the skull brain, the one that lives in your skull between your ears. And we know, we know what that brain's all about, right? But there's two other brains that live below the neck. 
And this isn't, this isn't like theory. This isn't like an analogy. This isn't like some woo woo yoga speak. This is all data and science. A lot of this has come out of the HeartMath Institute. And, and it is that the, a brain is just simply considered to be an information center. All right. And so there are three information centers inside of you. One is your skull brain. The second is your heart brain. And the third is your gut brain, your stomach brain. Okay. And so all of these, these, these three places are distinct sources of information receiving and dissemination in the system. And so, you know, the brain, we already know that it's got its neural pathways, its neuroreceptors, and it, it, it sends out all sorts of information to the heart, to, to it helps the lungs function, it, it keeps the heart beating, all sorts of things. And then it also communicates our thoughts. Well, here's something that you may not know, is that the heart in turn responds to the messaging that the brain sends it and the heart sends more information back up to the brain than the brain sent to the heart. I don't know about you, but that just blows my freaking mind. All right. So the heart is an information center. And what I want you to know is that when you think a thought in your brain, in response to that thought, your body secretes a hormonal response, all right? And you experience that hormonal response in the form of a feeling, of an emotion. So your feelings are quite real. They're created by hormonal cascades inside of your body. And so when your brain thinks the thought and it sends that cascade of hormone, your heart receives the neurotransmitters, the hormones, the everything, and then it sends its own wave back up to the brain that is more powerful than what the brain sent in the first place. So I share this with you because you cannot tell me that the way you feel inside of your heart doesn't matter. And they're my emotions because this is so powerful and I'm so tired of living in a world that has conditioned us to, to, to discount this scientific-based information. I am so tired of living in a world that tells us not to trust our own bodies when they are literally designed for nothing less than, than communicating to us, than helping us, than wanting us to thrive, you know, whew, okay. so then the heart the heart math institute would then say that if you can pause and they would have you put your hands on your heart and breathe into that space that if you can manage and if you can um, regulate what you're experiencing in your heart space then in turn you can regulate your whole system all right and that's what yoga teaches in an, in an also indirect way all right, so the brain and the, and the heart form a loop and, and they disseminate the, the information throughout the body and to one another. And so if you're thinking thoughts that you're unlovable and then you're feeling unlovable in your heart, it's going to make it easier for you to keep thinking unlovable thoughts and then keep feeling unlovable feelings. They form a loop. All right. So if you can intercept the way you're experiencing life at either a brain, a, a cerebral brain, logical brain level or a heart brain level, you can change your state and interrupt that pattern. All right. And the heart intercepting from the heart is so beautiful because you don't have to think different thoughts. You just feel differently. 
you just focus on feeling differently and let the the other the new thoughts come from that place anyway so i think that that's super duper duper powerful i could probably just end the podcast there but i won't so the third brain is your gut brain the the brain that lives inside of your stomach lining walls inside your stomach and intestines okay and this is really powerful i think because um and this is science that came out many, many years ago, but you may not know this. And, and, and this is so beautiful. The body is amazing. Life is amazing. Nature is amazing. God is amazing. Uh, that your, the, the cells that make up your stomach lining are the same types of cells that make up your brain. Okay. I'll say that again. The same types of cells that comprise your stomach lining are the same types of cells that build your brain. So when we have these these uh, these phrases that we say, like I had a gut instinct or my gut told me, it's real. It is literally the stomach lining cells trying to speak and give you a message um, about about your about where you're at right now. And, and here I'll share this with you. So each brain has a different message or a different question. okay? So the the gut brain, it asks, am I safe here? Okay. So when you have your, when you have physio, physiological messaging coming from your belly or from that region, it might be around the theme of safety. Okay. So if your stomach is acting out, if you're having digestion problems, if you have stomach pain, if you have ulcers, if um, your, your bathroom pattern or patterns are out of whack or whatever, it could be related to your safety. All right, the heart asks, so the the gut asks, am I safe? The heart asks, am I loved? The brain asks, am I valued? Okay, so you can just put those in your back pocket. Am I safe? Am Am I loved? Am I valued? And then if I can just finish where I was at with the gut brain, and 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 I'm not a nutritionist, but I've been in I've been in health and fitness for over 20 years and, and I know a lot. And so what I'll say in this moment is that um, this is why gut health and gut permeability are so important. All right. Is that um, if you're doing things or eating things or your lifestyle, it has accrued to the degree that, that your gut has become porous and the nutrients from your belly are literally leaking out into your bloodstream, your gut can't be available to communicate to you in the way that it needs to. Okay, so this just brings us back to why and why it's so important to take good care of our physiology is so that it can do its job and speak to us and relay the messages that we need to hear. So like when I was drinking and I drank for over 20 years, like my intuition wasn't able to speak to me in the ways that it needed to at that time because my body was in repair mode. You know what I mean? Like my gut couldn't be available to tell me about relationships or who I was choosing or decisions I was making because it was an overdrive just trying to repair itself from all the alcohol I was consuming. You know, my heart wasn't available to to lead me in a new direction because I was caught in this loop of shame. 
from drinking all the time. Do you see what I'm saying by this? So there are behaviors that we engage in that can mask all of this, that can put a film on top of this. You know, when, when I'll speak for drinking, cause that was my thing. Like when we drink, then your body devotes all of its energy to just surviving, to metabolizing the alcohol, to metabolizing the sugar to trying to regulate your sleep cycles, to just keep you at baseline, to just keep you functioning to the degree that you're not available for high level intuitive hits. I don't think it wasn't my experience anyway. I was not available for high level intuitive hits when I was drinking because all of my processes, all of my metabolic processes, all of my energetic processes, all of my mental processes, all of my intuitive processes were all too busy simply repairing and trying to maintain the status quo. Okay? So you might ask yourself, like, what are some practices that you're engaging in that might be getting in the way of your availability to receive the messages of your body or getting in the way of your body's availability to send you the messages that it needs for you to receive. Um, One other thing I'd like to say, but this is a whole other rabbit trail and like honestly a different podcast. And I'm actually going to do a workshop about this at my studio here in Minnesota next month. But the the chakra system inside of the energetic body also gives us a lot of data when it comes to, you know, feeling into our tissues, feeling into the different areas, regions of our bodies, and being able to understand what that messaging might mean. So, you know, in in mainstream chakra study, there are seven main, main energy centers inside of the body or information centers. Maybe we could view these as little brains. Also, um, I tend to think of them as as houses, and each energy center, each, each chakra, is a house for something different. So the root chakra, for example, is at the very bottom, the very base of your chakra system, and it's it's the stabilizer, it's the building block for all the other chakras to stand upon, and it 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 energetically it has to do with. Like if we feel safe in the world, if we feel safe to exist in the world, if we feel safe to receive things in the world. Um, and then physiologically, it has to do with like the lower half of our body, like our hips and our legs. And beyond that, it has to do with like our bones, like the most enduring, long lasting parts of us, our teeth, the parts of us that that even when we're cremated might still remain or whatever. So, so you know, if, if you're a person who has a lot of bone pain or a lot of problems with their teeth, or if, if you're, um, and you're feeling really unsafe or that you're not getting the things that you want in the world, um, or maybe you have foot pain and, and it, every time you walk, it, 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 it hurts. Like these are all pieces of data that, that, or maybe your lower half is super freaking strong and you can squat all day long. Right. And, and like you're strong as a tree trunk in that way, you know, like that's all data, right. And nothing is good or bad or right or wrong. It's all about balance within the chakras. And so we're, we're, we're just trying to, to, to use the chakras as information centers to bring more harmony to to that house in both physiological and energetic and metaphysical ways. So so you can use the information that the chakras give you to help you discern what your what your body might trying to be communicating to you whether physiologically or energetically. 
all right, I think that this is so fascinating. I just love all of this. And maybe, maybe I will go into the chakras here soon via my podcast because I think it's too good not to share. But all of this to say, so I, I've kind of, I, you know, you know, when, when your brain thinks a thought and then you release a, an emotion, a, a hormone, and then it shows up in your heart and then, and then you live that way, it doesn't only show up in your heart. Like that hormone also gets sent out to all of your tissues, right? And, and so it lives in your body. And if we don't process these things, then it just gets stored inside of Okay, so forgive me, my AirPods died there for a second and I got cut off. But what I was saying is that when the hormones disseminate into your tissues and you don't even know it, what happens is that becomes all part of your internal state. And the longer you live that way without understanding and decoding and processing the emotions and the experience inside of your body, the more it stays inside of you. And then it becomes part of how you see the world and how you feel about the world. And over time, that becomes part of your personality. And then you live with that as part of your personality for long enough and it becomes part of your story, part of who you are, and then it becomes your life. All right, so drawing awareness to all the knowledge and the beauty and the richness and the authority that lives below the neck is really essential, especially if you'd like to change your life or change patterns or end up differently than generations before you ended up or end up differently than you see yourself going right now. Um, the last piece that I would like to add to this is about the mind and, you know, we think that everything, that all the key lives inside of the mind, but the mind is actually really tricky. And this kind of irks me because I just, I think it's so ironic that we are experts on so many things in this world, like our cars or our dishwashers or, you know, accounting or whatever. And most of us don't know how our own brains work. And I just think that's so curious that no one ever thought to like teach us that. So here I like we as adults we have to teach ourselves now. And so the mind is very finite, all right? All it can do is like categorize and judge, right? And and really it can only create the future based on information that it already has. So it can only create a vision of the future based on things that it has already seen in the past. And it's because we don't know this that people have a really hard time changing cycles. People think, well, I can just do it differently, but it's really difficult for the brain to, to do something different when it's never seen something different, all right? So there's this mechanism inside of your brain called the RAS, the reticular activating system. And it's actually this genius function. And if we didn't have it, um, we wouldn't be available for the high level lives that we lead. Um, humans take in millions and millions of bits of information every second. I mean, between the what we're breathing in, what our eyes are seeing, what our ears are hearing, what's going on all around us. And if we had to consciously process all those millions of bits of information, we'd never get anywhere. So the mind has a built-in mechanism that will unconsciously filter it for us. And that's the key, is that the filtering mechanism got built 
when your subconscious was forming itself. So in your very formative years, ages zero to seven. And so our RAS gets built before we're too young. I mean, before we're too old to really understand what's going on. And we carry that into adulthood. So your brain is filtering for you based on how you were raised, based on the information that it was receiving from your caregivers when your mind was basically just wide open and completely malleable. And now as an adult, your brain is still filtering in that same way. So you can't count on your brain to get you somewhere new unless you interrupt that cycle with new information that you put into the mix that you interject into the mix on purpose. All right. And so your brain, it doesn't have all the answers. In fact, it might be the exact opposite. Why do we rely on it so heavily when it's literally just feeding us more of the same historic stuff that we've already experienced? Okay, so it's your job to take the parts of that history that are working for you and keep them and then choose to intercept your brain and feed it the new updated ways of being that you create for yourself. And that's um, it's totally possible to do it by yourself. Nobody needs a coach. Also, it's difficult to see when you're inside of your own experience, which is why people love coaches, because so someone can see from the outside looking in and help you choose which thoughts, feelings, and behaviors you want to consciously inject into the equation so that you can create a new result. Gosh, I love this work. So really, like, we think that the mind has it all, but really, it ha- it, the mind is amazing, but its capabilities are finite. And so if we accept that about our own skull brains and open ourselves up to to receiving the wisdom of the heart brain, of the gut brain, and all of the messages that our tissues might want to be sending us, what could be possible for us then? All right. So I implore you to go out into the world and ask yourself these few questions. If you were going to let your body lead, and if you were gonna try that, then you might ask, what's blocking me from allowing my body to to maybe even just co-create along with my mind? So what's blocking this? Or where am I resisting my body's calling or my body's inclination? And this isn't like a, this isn't like, oh, but my body wanted the whole gallon of ice cream. So you told me to follow my body. This isn't that. All right. This is genuinely saying like, like there's something going on inside of me that I haven't given myself permission to listen to or lean into. And what would happen if I did? And so that's the, the follow, the final question I have for you is, is how might you allow your body to lead you today? Even if it's just by a percentage, even if it's just by 1%, or even if it's just by 2%, is how could you trust the wisdom of your heart, of your gut, for anything below the neck today? If you could just follow that by 1% or 2% today, what might that look like? And maybe you start there and maybe you see where that where that leads you over time. All right. And if you would like support 
in moving out of the confines of your brain, out of your head and into the rest of you, this is where I am an expert. I'm helping you to become an embodied creature, one that trusts all of you, that sees and values and loves all of you. Uh, uh, can you imagine a version of this where none of your parts are at war with any of your other parts, where you don't have to choose, where you don't have to shun your body, where you don't have to be at war with any aspects of yourself, but where rather you could wrap your arms around yourself, around every piece of your being and say, all is welcome here. I love all of you. I'm listening. I'm listening and I'm here. And we're in this together. And I'm ready to take all of my parts and move myself forward. When you're ready to have that conversation, and when you're ready to go against this bullshit that the world is feeding all of us, that we've got to solve this all in the mind and that the logical mind trumps all, when you're ready to trust all of your beauty and all of your magic and all the wisdom that lives in your body, then I want you to reach out to me. And we, we get, we're going to coach together and we're going to devise a plan together that will help you to become more embodied because life is better this way. I am living proof. All right. So give me a review. Let me know what you thought. Share this with your friends. Please help me to grow. Please help me to ripple out. Please help me to expand. If this touched you, I invite you to send it to five people that you think would benefit. All right. I also, I also invite you to join my Patreon community. There's a $5 level where you can join every month. We explore a different topic. This month is emotions. I'm also in the process of factoring in a hundred dollar level. So the $5 level is called the garden. The $100 level every month is called the greenhouse. In the greenhouse, you pay $100 a month, you get access to all of everything that I do in Patreon, and you get two group coaching calls every month where we sit down as a group and we share and we talk about how to apply these principles to the nooks and crannies of your life, okay? This is an offer that I am making so that coaching can be more accessible and financially um, available to people who might be um, encountering hard times right now with things that are going on in our economy. So if that's you, reach out to me. Let's get you in one of these groups. Let's enroll you in the the, the greenhouse level Patreon. And then if you want me one-on-one -on -one to apply this full bore to your life, if you know that you have been living in your mind long enough and you want access to the rest of you, then I would love to support you one-on-one. -on -one. So the links are all in my profile. You can reach out to me. You can find me at Lotus uh, Life Coaching by Lotus.com. Um, I'm here for you. I'm with you all the way. Um, may we all drop out of our heads, into our hearts, into our bodies, and discover the fullness, richness, and beauty, and full magic of what it means to be truly embodied, truly integrated, and fully human and alive. I'm sending you all the love inside of, of myself, inside of all three of my brains. I'm sending it all to you. That was weird. I love you so much. Namaste.